joining me. And here's hoping that you had an awesome 4th of July holiday weekend. I know I did. Mine was lovely. But ah, who cares? We're here to talk about sports. More specifically, the WNBA. So this episode is going to be a little different. I'm not going to talk about players of the week or who to keep an eye out for, key games of the week. I'm going to talk about my power rankings but not from a weekly perspective, more of a long-term perspective, if you will. Let's call it something of a a mid-season pulse check. And the reason for that is because we're a few weeks removed from the Rio Olympics starting. And at that point, the league is going to take a mid-season break. But guess what? We're already there, unofficially. So some teams have already played 15, 18 games. And there are 34 games in a season. So unofficially, we are at the midseason point. And it's about this time that teams have to start asking, can they contend for a championship? Can they make the playoffs? Do they even have the talent or the horsepower to even be competitive to try? So I would like to call this episode Leaders, Contenders, Offenders, and Pretenders. Now don't worry about it. I'm going to explain what that means with each section. So let's just kick it off with our leaders. Coming in at number one, at 16-1, the LA Sparks. I don't even know where to begin with them. We have our usual suspects, Candace Parker, Essence Carson, Christy Tolliver, Neka Gumake, and Elena Beard. They have an incredible bench. This whole team is just fantastic. Now, I've sat around trying to find flaws in this team, but I can't. And yes, I realize a lot of that has to do with my terribly low basketball IQ. But even with the eyeball test, this team is just doing some incredible things. Whenever they play, it is like a goddamn circus show. They put on an event and you cannot help but watch and be entertained. If you try to play them small, well, they do that better than any other team. So good luck with that. If you try to play big, well, good luck with that as well because they are incredibly physical and will bounce right back. These are some very tough women. Number two defense, number one offense. I'm just at a loss at how to stop this buzzsaw of a team. Now, to be fair, the Minnesota Lynx and the New York Liberty did give them a run for their money, but they were still outplayed for the most part offensively. And honestly, I, I'm just at a loss of words. Unless they lose another game, I don't know what to tell you. But while we're talking about the Sparks, Neka Agumike, can we at least start talking about MVP candidacy for her? At least put her in the mix? I don't see how someone who is averaging a double-double is a critical factor in winning your games and is shooting 70% from the field, something that hasn't been done in either the men or women's league. It's not at least put into that discussion. Yes, I, I love what Tina Charles is doing. Maya's doing a thing. But NECA, she is out there leaving bodies out on the floor. She is doing her thing. Game in and game out. Hey, look, I'm, I'm just saying it's at least worth a mention. And I have yet to hear any basketball pundits really actually consider her for it. Oh, and special shout out to Candace Parker, who had a very emotional game last week against the Dallas Wings last Tuesday, which happened to be the day that Coach Pat Summit passed away. And she had an orange shoes that had the word rebound written across the top. And the reason for that is because Coach Summit told her that, Candace, I love what you're doing, 
but I need you to rebound more. And that is exactly what she did. She went out, got 31 points, and put up a season high of rebounds. So that was pretty awesome and pretty touching as well. But let's not get too far off track. This LA Sparks team is just fantastic. Again, I'm going to have to look at some more games, but I really don't see anyone else really knocking them off that throne right now. Moving on, we got the Minnesota Lynx. Not going to be honest, this team has really surprised me lately. Now, last week when they lost to the Mystics, I told you, don't worry about it. The Lynx are fun. They still have a bad taste in their mouth from losing to the Sparks a few days earlier. Whatever, they drop one, they need to get some rest, they'll be back. Three days later, they go and they lose to the New York Liberty. The other week, I spoke about teams facing adversity. And here they are facing one of the most adverse situations of their season. This is not the way you want to go into a midseason break. Even with that game versus the Liberty. Now, I've said this before in the past that the New York Liberty is essentially the poor man's version of the LA Sparks in terms of how they play. New York did a very good job of keeping them honest that entire game. In fact, Maya Moore could have won in the game had she hit that buzzer beater. Having said all that, I still believe in his team. I love watching his team play, and I do think they have a strong possibility of being the champions this year. And on that note, unlike the LA Sparks, I do see a few flaws in this team. This team can be beat when you go up tempo, especially in transition play off the rebound. And I mentioned this last week, sometimes they play too smart for their own good. This is especially true on offense for them, where they can create turnover opportunities. Just take the bank shot sometimes. You do not need to force the ball over to the weak side. All right, number three, the New York Liberty, or as I like to call them, the junior version of the LA Sparks. And I don't mean that in a derisive way. I've mentioned it before. They are very fun to watch. I love this team's physicality. And that is one of the biggest assets they have in winning their games. Now, if I was going to do a game of the week, it would have been this one. The rematch between the Phoenix Mercury and the New York Liberty. Now, I talked about game one in last week's podcast with Tarasi's flop, which led to an overtime, which led to another overtime bad call, and a win for the Mercury. Now, this game seemed to be the inverse of game one, where there were just a lot of bad calls against the Mercury. But it wasn't the case last week where they were practically given a game. This game, they were just flat out outplayed, even with the bad calls. Now, the only reason I bring up this game is because it highlights every single aspect of what makes New York a very great basketball team. They're very physical. They're led by Tina Charles, who's grabbing rebounds, putting up double points. We have Sugar Rogers, who was a deadly threat from the wing. Brittany Boyd cuts in cars and slashes her way to the basket effortlessly. We have Kia Stokes, Carolyn Soares, who do great work in the post. Zowie B even gets into the mix. And we even have this new kid, Rebecca Allen, who's starting to come on. So I love everything about this New York team. Credit to Bill Lambeer, bringing all these pieces together, and it works. But this team also has a few flaws that can be exploited. They can be beat when you try to switch off on players because they don't have that speed. And they also can be beat in transition, especially if Carolyn Swords is in the mix. If you can get a rebound offer and get that ball in transition, you can definitely beat them and score on them easily. And going back to that point about switching off on players and screens, they do have a problem with perimeter defense at times and contestant shots. I do think this is a great team. I do think they can 
knockoff Minnesota. And I wouldn't be surprised if this team ends up in a championship game. Moving on to number four, the Washington Mystics. Wow, talk about turnarounds. This team started off with a losing record, had no hopes of even being a playoff contender, and right now they are playing some of the best basketball I've seen. I've talked about Emma Mieseman endlessly, but you know what? Her numbers have actually been down lately. All of their wins from the past week have been on the backs of Taylor Hill and Natasha Cloud, who have done a great job stepping up, and also Dolson is doing a lot more work in the post. So kudos to Coach T. He's really drilled down the importance of defense on this team and it's definitely show in their play their major flaw is they can still be outplayed physically they do not have the grit of a new york or a minnesota i like dolson's work but kia stokes will take her fouls will take her they are not that good physically in the paint and they could be outplayed in that area of these four teams though, Washington, I believe, has the least likely chance of going to a championship. But again, I totally would not be surprised given how well Coach T has whipped this team into shape. So those are our leaders. LA, Minnesota, New York, Washington. Four teams, I believe, are just ready for that championship stage. Would not be surprised if any of them ends up in the championship game. So right now we're gonna move on to the next section I call contenders. And these are teams who just, they can make that step into the top four, but there's just still one or two elements that keep them from being one of the top dogs. Okay, so kicking it off at number five, we have the Dallas Wings. The addition of Skylar Diggins and Glory Johnson has been the shot in this arm this team has needed. And holy crap, Glory Johnson has lost her mind. She is almost averaging a double-double, putting up double points, double rebounds, and has just been great defensively, even getting some blocks in. Not afraid to get physical, uses the elbows, uses the full range of a body, and I, I like how she just works in that paint. And I don't need to explain how essential Skylar Dickens is to this team. But there is this concern lately. She's committed a lot of turnovers off the dribble. It does lead to a lot of fast break opportunities and that's something they really need to tighten down. But the real star who's breaking through, Ariel Powers. I love this kid. She is fueled on nothing but hellfire and sass. I actually saw a Dallas Wings play when they were here in Seattle and oh my goodness, just watching her bounce around and yell and just stunt on the storm was just so much fun. The way she just gets hype and excited just shows how much passion she has for this game. It does cause a bit of a detriment because she can go ISO and play a little bit hero ball, but whatever. She put she has been fantastic. I just love watching her play. I mean, in that game in Seattle, she put up 19 points six assists, oh no, six rebounds anyway, and she actually hit the game winning shot that gave the Wings the W. But outside of Arab Powers, much credit goes to that bench. Odyssey Sims, Courtney Perez, just everyone on that team knows their role and they play great basketball together, and that bench is a huge help. The biggest fault for this team is the amount of fouls they get. Way too physical. They need to play smarter. If they can clean that up and the amount of turnovers, especially on Diggins' behalf, I could see them actually jumping up to that three or four spot. Number six, the Chicago Sky. Somehow the Chicago Sky has taken on the mantle of the Chicago Bulls and that they play teams really, really hard. Major flaw though is they just have this nasty inconsistency in the fourth quarter of just blowing leads. And it's for a variety of reasons. Bad shot selection, bad passes. They just need to clean up that one 
aspect of the game. Needless to say, EDD has taken control over this team. She's taken more shots. I believe she's the number two or number three top scorer in the league right now, and it definitely shows. I was actually watching a game when they played the Mystics, and I just never knew how well of a ball handler that EDD was. I mean, there was one instance where she was matched up on Taylor Hill, and she took off the dribble, crossed over, did a Euro step under Dolson, and laid it up into the basket. My jaw just practically hit the floor because I never knew that she was that efficient and that fluid of a ball handler. Usually, EDD will take the ball off the dribble and take a bank shot, but she's definitely elevated her game. But this shouldn't be a surprise. She was the MVP last year. But EDD aside, the rest of that team is goddamn solid. DeSouza, Pondexter, even the rookie, Amani Boyette, really stepping up and showing that she could be a good contributor on that team. Love what I'm seeing out of that kid. But they just have this inconsistency of fourth quarter hiccups that are costing them games. This is especially true if they're trailing by the fourth quarter. It leads to this sense of urgency, and that's when they start to make mistakes. If they tweak this, this is another team. I would not be surprised if they bump their way up into that top four. Championship game may be a stretch, but who knows? Dallas and Chicago, those are my contenders. Teams that are almost there, but they just need to tweak a few things before they hit that big stage. Now we're gonna move on to offenders. Now offenders are teams that are at that 500 mark. Instead of being dominant or bad, they just continue to toe the line. And that brings us to number seven, the Phoenix Mercury. Remember that game versus the Liberty that I mentioned earlier? All right, we're gonna run it back to that again because there was one moment in this game that clearly summed up everything about the Phoenix Mercury this season. So well into the third quarter of that game, Tarasi was matched up on, I believe, Boyd or right? She contests the shot, draws a foul. And surely enough, Tarasi just blows up. And here's the funny thing. I've been watching so many of these Phoenix games now. I've noticed that whenever Tarasi blows up, the people that are filming the games, they will automatically move the camera somewhere else just not to catch a tirades on the camera. I just thought that was funny. But anyway, Tarasi blows up, draws a T. Okay, that's pretty expected now. She's a fiery character. I can't blame her for being who she is, right? New York gets the ball again, gets to Kia Stokes, who draws a foul off Griner. She blows up, draws a tee. Tarazi gets ejected. Griner, still complaining, gets ejected as well. Coach Brondello, she gets a technical. Now just think about that for a moment. Your two top players got ejected. Your coach almost got ejected. What kind of message does that send to the rest of your teammates? I mean, if I see that on the team, I'm thinking... Well, shit, if I, if I say something, she may blow up at me. Hell, I may not even get any playing time if I say something. And I feel bad for, like, Penny Taylor and DeWanna Bonner because they seem to be the only level-headed people on that team. I know this may look like small sample size theater given the situation. It's still, that's the impression I get when I look at this team is that this is a team that they don't get along with each other and they have a very hard time communicating with each other. And I just can't help but feel bad for this team because they have championship caliber talent and it just is not coming together. I'm not sure if it's some sort of resentment they feel from last year. They may make the playoffs. I still think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won and done. Number eight, the Atlanta Dream. Oh my God, I've honestly tried with this team and I can't. I like individuals on this team and the way each of those individuals play. 
but as a unit, it just does not work for me. I think a lot of it has to do with, I just don't know what I'm going to get from night to night when they play. I mean, that game against the Mystics, when they just didn't show up three weeks back, that just really left a bad taste in my mouth. And it seems to keep cropping up every other game with them. And I'm just tired of fooling myself and trying to figure out if this team is good or not. So that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Number nine, the Indiana Fever. Chalked them up as the Atlanta Dream 2.0 in the sense that I don't know when this team is going to show up. They beat Chicago one night and then they turned around and lose to the Sun. Really? Uh, really? But in all seriousness, kudos to Tamika Catchings. It's been a pleasure watching her play. I like what I'm seeing out of Brianne January. Tiffany Mitchell's been pretty good. And I've talked endlessly about Lena Larkins and Lynetta Kaiser. Love both of them in the post. But uh, again, I just I don't know when this team will show up. And I think they're going to be a one-and-done team in the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty much the short of it. it it's really going to come down to a draw of who they play against. And they could win or lose either way. So those are my offenders. Phoenix Mercury, Atlanta Dream, and the Indiana Fever. Teams that just don't know who the hell they are. And it's even more sad for Phoenix because they do have the talent. And they should be damn better than where they are right now. And lastly, we have our pretenders. These are teams who just, they have no business even trying to compete. It's nice, it's cute, but in all seriousness, they're only playing for a higher pick in the draft at this point. And with that, we have the Connecticut Sun coming in at number 10. I actually like the Connecticut Sun. Even though they are not a great team, they have all the pieces there. Young, talented players that will become great assets eventually but right now they just aren't there they just be outplayed and it's not any fault of their own they're just young that's what happens you're gonna get beat up on and take your lumps and it's better they do it now than later having said that the sun have actually been playing better they've been fairly competitive in the games lately I mean, even though they're losing, they have not been blowouts. So they're staying in games and being somewhat competitive and nice stretches for the teams they're going against. You know what? Of the remaining teams in this list, I would not be surprised if the Sun actually grabbed the 8th spot in the playoffs. I'm saying that right now. I would not be surprised if they punch above their weight and they grab that 8th spot. And kudos to Kurt Miller. I know it is frustrating. I see his blood boiling when he's on the sideline, but he's got to be patient, man. He doesn't have superstars on the team. The Sun are doing the best with what they have, and it's great. They're playing good basketball. They just need to develop those pieces. They'll get to a point where they start playing more sound basketball, and more importantly, they'll start playing with more confidence in themselves. Number 11, the Seattle Storm. Now, this one's going to be really easy. The Seattle Storm will not make the playoffs simply because they have the worst performing bench in the entire league. Case in point, over the last three games they played, that bench has only scored a combined total of 30 points. Not only that, they've been out-rebounded every single game they played this season, and they still have the highest amount of turnovers. They recently brought in Noel Quinn and Crystal Thomas to the team to help relieve some of that pressure from the big three. But at this point, it's a foregone conclusion that they won't make the playoffs. So Seattle really needs to start figuring out what they're going to do for the rest of the season and going forward into next season. 
I do think one of the additional issues that Seattle has is their poor play calling and coaching, but that's definitely a podcast for a different time. The bright spot is Seattle does have two franchise players in Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd. So they really need to start asking themselves about how they're going to build this team going forward. But right now, this team is beyond a prayer. And lastly, the San Antonio Stars. In some ways, San Antonio is similar to Seattle and in the sense that they have a good starting core, but a horrible bench. But the Stars are in this peculiar place where they have a coach who is going to step down at the end of this year. And additionally, Kayla McBride fractured her foot a few days ago in the game versus the Lynx. So she's out for the rest of this season. But other than that, there isn't much else to say about this team. Curry is solid. Derek Hamby's still great. And the rookie Mariah Jefferson, she's been fantastic. She's worked her way into the start of five. But this team has no hope of making the playoffs. Other than that, that's all I have for San Antonio, really. Similar to Seattle, again, they're going into this offseason with a lot of questions they need to answer. All right, and that's the entire list from this midseason pulse check. All right, from the top again, we got L.A., Minnesota, New York, Washington, Dallas, Chicago, Phoenix, Atlanta, Indiana, Connecticut, Seattle, and San Antonio. I don't see this list changing much in the next couple of weeks before the official midseason break. But we'll see what happens. But if it does, we'll definitely be talking about it in future podcasts as things develop. And that's going to pretty much do it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Next week, we'll get back to the regular schedule of key games and players and insights and discussing any other news that happens in the league. I'm also toying with the idea of an all-star edition podcast. And yes, I know there isn't going to be one this year, but... I think it'll be fun to toy around with the numbers and combine that with my gut instincts and find out what that would look like. Like my first and second team, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, etc., etc. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll see. Just something to keep in the back of my mind. And that'll do it for this week. Thanks for joining me. You can find my work at my new WordPress. That's right. I have a new WordPress. TheRecap.net. Again, that's TheRecap.net. T-H-E. R-E-C-A-P dot net. Check out my work there. You can find my blog pieces. Uh, podcasts are going to be on the sidebar, so you can listen to those there as well. Or check out my Twitter, at Wayman Wilkerson, where I post all my updates and thoughts and things like that. And again, please email me. Send me your feedback, your comments, things you want to hear about or talk about or things you don't want to hear. I take the feedback very seriously, and I do appreciate it. It does help me out when I create this content for you. Thanks again for joining me. Be cool to one another, and I'll see you next week. Later.